Hey, salam friends. Thank you for joining us again on the Muslim Vibe podcast. I'm your host, Haseeb Rizvi, and today I'm going to be speaking with Sheikh Ali Hashmi. Now, he did tell me to call him Brother Ali Hashmi, which I'm going to do beyond this point and once I explain why because basically he's not your conventional sheikh like he studied and everything um, he studied in the Islamic seminaries in Iran um, but he, he's not your conventional sheikh uh, he's, he's like a full-time entrepreneur and he has these like really cool social enterprise projects um, that are designed to really kind of empower human beings around the world um, we're talking about he's worked on like COVID vaccines, solar panel technology. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's kind of wild. Right? He kind of reminds me of like an Elon Musk character. Um, but alongside all of this, he offers these Quran courses um, via his organization called The Rising Sun, which is based in New Zealand. Um, and we speak about that primarily, the, the idea of the Quran and how, I guess, you know we've lost uh, a lot of the essence of the quran through translations or mistranslation and he helps i mean his his kind of thing is about like trying to get to the uh like get a better understanding of certain key words that can essentially transform our understanding uh, and connection with the quran it's a truly fascinating conversation like you know we say arabic phrases uh, you know daily right like for example alhamdulillah and so i asked him about alhamdulillah and he 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 provided a whole new kind of perspective on this on this phrase that we often just you know reduced to being like praise be to Allah or thanks be to Allah, and and it's so much more than that, um, and so we're going to get into that in this podcast and also learn about uh, some of the projects and stuff that he's working on. Um, so yeah, it's, it's it's you know sit back, relax, you know enjoy this conversation. It's it's thoroughly thoroughly like insightful. Like you're going to enjoy this for sure. You, you you told me not to call you uh, Sheikh or Sayyid, uh, and you want to go with the the brother. So we'll, we'll try to make that work. Um, but I, I've I've your team reached out to me um, I think a few years back, and that's the first time I kind of got to know about your organization. And uh, yeah. as I mentioned to you before we started this podcast, I was a bit kind of uh, mind blown uh, by the kind of depth and, and diversity of the different projects. Uh, that your organization, The Rising Sun, uh, works on. Um, so I thought it was prudent uh, for us to perhaps start off with a little bit of an introduction uh, to yourself. Um, and, and basically then we can move on towards your journey and motivation behind these certain projects. Sure, sure. So Ali is the name, as you just mentioned. I, I grew up in New Zealand and I, I lived between Iran and, and New Zealand. Um, the, the work that we started was about 12, 13 years ago, in which we um, established an organization which deals with a, a number of different, a variety of projects, um, starting off with, a, we, we have a tech section and we have an academic section or an academy, and we have a humanitarian branch. So the humanitarian branch basically deals with uh, basic needs of uh, orphans. We have a number of orphanages around the world that we run. Uh, and next to these orphanages there are a bunch of schools so that we get to educate these kids as well. Uh, and there's uh, water well projects and so forth. And uh, sometimes when there are issues with vaccines, for example, uh, we help there as well. That's the humanitarian branch. And we have a great team of, uh, I love these guys. They, they do a great job. Uh, I envy them because I can't join them anymore most of the time. Uh, we have an academy section which deals with education, um, which part of this is this, this particular subject matter of today, 
And we have a tech section which deals with uh, resolving or using innovation and technology to uh, decrease the cost of essential human needs or increasing accessibility to them. So in that uh, fact, in that department, we've developed things like a 3D printer that can print a house within 48 hours. Now, when they say 48 hours to print a house, they don't mean they'll give you the key of the house, but they'll develop the structure of a house. That project has reached completion. We've actually started building houses using the printers. We have about already 10 3D printers and hopefully to we're aiming to get to about 100 of them by the end of the not by the end of the year, within a year, inshallah. Uh, we have uh, we, we were also in the health department in the tech section, where we developed a, a vaccine for COVID-19, a recombinant VLP virus-like particle uh, that never came into production. Uh, we did complete the project, but but COVID kind of died out, and I guess that's a good thing. Uh, so mission accomplished. <laughs> we didn't need it, so we moved. Yeah. Mission accomplished, but we, we moved on to. Um, uh, influenza vaccine, and we're hoping to work on this thing called uh, avian flu, which is a bird flu. Mm -hmm. uh, just to get that into perspective, uh, COVID had a death rate of about 4%, 5% maybe. The numbers vary. I haven't really looked too much into it recently to give any, any precise numbers. But uh, avian flu has a death rate of 30%. Mm. And it's not one of those things we want to be caught by surprise. right? And the thing I noticed that the wealthier countries, when they did manage to develop the vaccine, vaccine good on them, uh, the, the, how do I say, underdeveloped or overexploited countries, however you'd like to put it. I like that. Whether internally or externally, uh, they were uh, given the solutions later on. And, and the idea is to, to ensure that uh, we are able to uh, provide solutions for ourselves. And so that's the health department. Uh, we also have a uh, started a project on solar energy where we hope to develop solar farms to replace some of this, uh, how do I say, irresponsible energy. I don't want to say green because that, that term is thrown around lightly as if you know, they, they, they solve one problem somewhere without taking into consideration the numerous problems the other solution will actually cause. So I, I don't want to use that term, but, but more responsible means of, of providing energy for ourselves and solar is uh, definitely one of them and there's this new type of uh, this new tech in solar app which we'd like to research which is called solar 3.0 uses perviscite uh, it's a synthetic material which which increases the productivity but it also has a lot of problems and those problems have to be solved before we get anywhere near using that technology uh, then we hope to move on to water, uh, clean water, uh, but then on a larger scale and hopefully agriculture. And then hopefully I'll, I'll like to hand in my keys and retire. So like I said, you know, I, I was so fascinated uh, by this mysterious man called uh, Ali, uh, Ali Hashmi and, and your teams, obviously, we've reached out to us, uh, you know, several times now to kind of promote various things that the, the Rising Sun project is working on. And, and like I said, I was just kind of mind blown by the kind of variety of things that you're doing. I believe there's even like pharmacies in the United States for like, you know, the impoverished and stuff like that. So first, first and foremost, mashallah, uh, and thank you uh, for the contributions you're making to humanity. This is uh, it's truly inspiring to see someone who is is using his intellect uh, and motivation to uh, serve human beings 
um, and, and it doesn't seem like you're, you're discriminating just towards like certain races or like certain uh, different type of demographics. It's, it's, it's for all human beings, especially for those who are most in need. Um, and there is uh, an Islamic philosophy behind all of this, uh, which is, you know, like I said, truly, truly inspiring. And, and I salute you for the work that you're doing. Can can we talk a little bit about the like the journey into this though? Because it's you don't just kind of end up doing this, right? Like this isn't like a conventional like uh, route for most people. So so how did you how, how did this kind of whole thing start, and what was the motivation? Well, if I if I'm very honest, I have no idea. Um, it's not like I planned anything. So I'd like to think it had to do with my own thinking, but. The more I kind of move forward, it somehow seems like opportunities arise, and and then you take them, and you find you take the best opportunity that comes your way, and over time, when these numerous opportunities arise that arose, right, and then and they came came in front of us, we, we kind of gathered this package together of the mission and the and the system over time. So it took quite some time to develop. The strategy behind everything. Mm. Uh, there's no one single uh, catalyst that I can state that that caused me to do this. Well, when I was younger, I used to, I used to, uh, uh, I used to have, uh, how do I say, some strange dreams here and there, which I thought were my initial catalysts and so forth. But those are not; they're not real, I and mean, they're not very important in the, in the larger. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just simply numerous opportunities arising and 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 picking, um, picking the most suitable ones at the time, and then and, and then connecting them together to hopefully what is we built what is uh, what it is now, and hopefully we'll keep improving it over time. And, and I look forward to to this journey. Um, inshallah, your your team will stay in touch with us and, and keep us updated with the various different projects that are that you're working on. And inshallah, we can do our best uh, as part of the Muslim vibe to help promote these projects. Um, use us as, as you need because from what I can see you know you're doing a phenomenal service to the world and it'll be it'll be great to be part of that uh, one of the things that you're you're doing right now is a Quran course and um, before you started the podcast you mentioned very some something very interesting to me which was you know uh, you simply don't understand this idea of needing a middleman between us and the Quran to be able to understand it and for a thousand years, we've been reading the Quran without properly understanding it. So, so tell me a little bit about the background behind this Quran course and, and what it is that you're trying to achieve. Well, uh, the background was uh, I didn't know how to read the Quran until I was much older. Um, and then when I was reading, I was like, I don't understand what I'm reading. It didn't make any sense to me. Uh, and I found it absurd that something that is considered so sacred, nobody bothers to figure out what it says. And they leave it to translations and translations um i can assure you don't do almost any justice at all and, and if i say there are 50 60 percent levels of inaccuracy in there i'm not exaggerating uh, and it's not the fault of the translators as such that you have to first determine what the actual purpose of a translator is mm. if their if their purpose is dead precision they wouldn't be doing this but they're their purpose or the intended, pur intended purpose is usually uh, just to get the gist of what's being said to the other person. Uh, and naturally, you, you, you lose a lot in translation just as it is. Not only do you lose a lot in translation, 
but you also um, there are certain things that are not translatable. Let me give, let me give you a couple of examples. So, so uh, like if anybody's multilingual, I'm sure you are too. I mean, if you if you want to translate something, that concept has a word assigned to it in one language, mm. right? So you, what you need to do is to figure out what the word is that is assigned to it in the other language. Mm. Now, in that, there's a number of problems and basic things like a phone book is pretty straightforward. But if there's complications and there are numerous variables to a concept, that becomes extremely more complicated. So if you're trying to, to, to develop a concept, if you assign a word to a concept that has numerous parts to the meaning, that's what I mean by variables, mm. it becomes extremely complex. And what's even worse, there are certain things that don't exist in the culture of the opposing uh, language. So, for example, I, I always use this as an example. It's a silly example, but it gets the point across. If you have the word punk, for example, right, it has a very particular meaning, mm. right? Uh, people who have grown up in, in Western countries probably have the guy with the, you know, the hair like that and, random colors and so that that's a specific meaning of a punk in, in, in one particular I hope that's still the same meaning I, I'm getting a little old I don't know I'm not too yeah uh, <laughs> it has uh, changed a little bit since then yeah things have changed a lot now it's so many crazy things like watch on YouTube here and there it's not it's difficult to digest but anyway so that's the that's the meaning uh, of, of, of punk as such in, in one culture. But if you ask another person to use one word to translate that term mm. and to have that exact same concept, not a similar concept, because you may have similar individuals in another society, right? But that exact same concept, that's not possible because it doesn't exist mm. in the other society. So similarly, if you're trying to go through, a, 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 in this case, a religion in which a whole new system is being propagated and a whole new set of concepts are being coined. I know words are coined, but new concepts are being developed, right? And then try to utilize right, translated words from, from another culture altogether that probably doesn't have anything close to those original concepts in there. Mm. And using only one word without expanding on it, that's not it's not possible. You're going to have a large uh, rate of inaccuracy. And that's what we see in translations. And secondly, uh, for whatever reason, Arabic is an extremely complex language. Mm. And then you're trying to take this complex language, which takes minor details into consideration, right? Uh, and you have... Uh, there are no such thing as synonyms until proven elsewise, particularly when it comes to the Quran. Okay. So you have all of these words which seem to be similar. Then what you have from the other side are translators that think that they're synonyms and they just use the same word for like 10 different concepts and you lose a lot of meaning in the process. Uh, so, so that's my, my criticism on, on translations. And and the second part of this is that it's not that complex, particularly considering how important we then we claim to consider this book. Giving it that much importance, but at the same time not bothering to learn this, it kind of uh, baffled me. I was like, well, what in, what in the world is going on? 
And then if you would tell people that, hey, you know what? Just reading without understanding what you're saying is, is just a pointless act. People get very upset in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I remember mm-hmm. I had a lot of a lot of people like attack me in, uh, for for making comment. I was trying to do that on purpose as well to try to provoke people to think a little mm-hmm. bit. You know? But but they would get very upset uh, with these kind of comments because they were so habituated to to dealing with this like this, and they've heard these random riwayat here and there, which are. Um, usually not even checked and, and the context is not taken into consideration and they take them as as literal uh you know uh, things to kind of abide by and and uh, that caused me to think about this and i just sat down i was like man this has got to change so i started collecting a whole bunch of stuff was that that was already done there were about 11 pieces of work that was already done in the in the beginning i just started translating one of them and then uh, i was like well it, when I started translating that piece of work, I was like, hey, this is the same problem I'm talking about, right? So then I rewrote the entire thing into, uh, into about four books now with two, two grammar books as well. You mentioned um, this idea of like, uh, you know, like the translations and stuff, but like for someone who doesn't speak Arabic um, and, and does not come from like an Arabic background, um, the only thing that I have to be able to understand the Quran is the English translations. Now, what I tend to do is when there's a specific verse, for example, that uh, that kind of resonates with me, I'll read like four or five different translations of it to try and get like a rough idea of, of kind of like the, the, the middle point, right? The average point. Um, but of course, what you're talking about is the fact that there, there are some concepts or words in the Quran which are completely... Uh, limited to a certain time and space a certain culture do you have any examples of that and 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 what would you say about you know this uh reading english translations like how can it be how how can someone engage with the quran if they don't read the translations well well i'm not saying don't read the translations just know that you're not being very accurate Mm. you see what happens and the problem that i have is people read translations and start basing arguments on Mm -hmm. this Something that itself is inaccurate should not be used as a as a tool for an argument and a discussion. Mm-hmm. And and then when you know when meaning gets lost over a number of phases, it can become very dangerous. And we have some crazy nutters in our community, as we all know, right? And part of the problem with that is this: number two, Arabs don't understand the Quran correctly at all. At least thirty percent of our students are Arabs. I'm I, I didn't have an Arabic speaking background. Um, and the Arabic that's in the Quran is very different from what these guys speak now. Uh, and, and if you just, I think, on our, some of our, uh, there are some videos of testimonies, people who are raised in Arabic countries, such as Iraq, they've got their master's degree in Iraq, mm-hmm. and they're grounded, they, they attend the course, and they, they, it's completely different for them. As for some examples, let me just give you a handful. So let's just start with the basics. So you say, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, so Hamd. What is that? We say this every day, for example. What does hamd mean? Right? Uh, so you'll say hamd means praise. Okay, then what does madh mean? Okay, that's also synonymous, apparently, and that's also praise. And then what does thana mean? And then that's also praise, and each one has its own specific, specific meaning. Well, let me give you another example. Guide us to the right path, which is uh, not precise at all. So sirat means what? Path, correct? Mm-hmm. Have you heard the term sabi? 
Sabil also means path. Okay. You know, this is Sabilillah, right? This uh-huh. is on the path of Allah, right? Yeah. So Sabil also means path. Have you heard the word Tariq? No. Tariq also path, right? So these are three words which seem to be synonymous, but each one has its own precise meaning. Okay? So what we try to do uh, is I, I, what I, the, the methodology of the course is it goes back to the lexicons of a thousand years old, a thousand years back, started from Kitab al-Ain, the son of Arab, to Mufradat, to a whole bunch of other things. Uh, there's seven of them that we use, down to even some modern uh, Al-Furuq al-Lugawiyah and these are all traditional books, most of them anyway. And you take out the root meaning of each each word, each set of root letters, so to speak, and you kind of derive that meaning. And you know, this is actually a complex piece of, it's a complex task because uh, the meanings of these words are not so simple. It's not like you open a book like an English dictionary and you say, oh, this means that. It doesn't work like that. It's it's mm. it's quite complex, and there's arguments as to what the precise meaning is. There's debates amongst them amongst the scholars. So what we did is we take out a summary of these meanings and try to develop a conceptual meaning in the mind of the person, and then connect mm. the actual Arabic word to that concept directly. Right, so that when a person reads that, they're like, "Oh, that that's what it means." And then when you have an amalgamation of concepts, you'll see that the, the whole the whole thing changes. It's just actually a piece of art. I, put God aside. Let's just say it's not from God. It's a piece of art. Yeah. It's it's actually a very well-written piece of work. Uh, so if it's from God, it's from God. If it's not from God, it's a genius. You know, <laughs> whatever, whatever floats your boat, but it's a good piece of work. And when you learn the precision uh uh, like this, you, you realize the combinations of meanings actually, uh, you're able to extract a lot of beautiful meaning from it. And, and there's a kind of a rhythmic pattern accompanied mm. with that precision meaning. Mm. And that's mm. why people were like, God, this is, this is like magic or something, because it was really out of this world. It is. Out of, so, so that's what we're trying to get a step closer to with this approach, to, to try to get people to understand the 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 kind of precision behind this and the beauty behind this. So you've piqued my interest now with Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. Um, so 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 do do kind of uh, elaborate on that because I I want to know the the precision or the the kind of more deeper concepts to that. Sure. Uh, so Hamd, brother, the the three terms that we mentioned, right? There's Mad, there's Hamd, and there's Thana. Mm-hmm. So this is at least again I, I insist that this is a summary of things because. There's often a lengthy debate behind these topics. So the idea was to summarize and to simplify for people. You don't want to make them linguists in the process. You just want them to get to the next level of, of, of getting closer to the actual meaning. So Hamd, for example. So the first term, Mad. Mad means just praise in general. When you see anything, what is praise to begin with? You see something beautiful. You see something that's worthy. And you say, wow. So you are appreciating the beauty in something. Mm-hmm. And that standard is mud, right? So you have Magdah, for example, those guys who do uh, recitations and so forth, right? So that's that's mud. Uh, that's a general concept. Inside that concept, a type of mud, for example, is, is Hamd. What is Hamd? Hamd is to praise uh, the actions of a person who's done those actions 
by their free will. Mm. So in the sense, if you, you cannot do harm according to this Mufradat. You cannot do harm of a non-living thing. You can only do harm of a living thing who, who, who intentionally does an action. Mm. And you're like, wow, that's a beautiful action. That's a praiseworthy action. So in the sense, when you do this in Salat, for example, the idea is you're concentrating on the actions of God. That means, well, the, the, you're, you're not alone. You know, God is involved mm. in the process. Mm. Right? So the, the actions is what you're concentrating on in that in that phrase. Uh, and then thana is 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 uh, repetitive hamd. So hamd after hamd. Now, what does repetitive hamd mean? We said hamd is to see something beautiful, right? And you praise it. So in other terms, you're envisioning something. Mm -hmm. So the idea is there's some type of mukashifa, there's some type of vision, right? So thana is repetitive visions of beauty. Right now, just to put this into context, if you just do iftita, it's probably my favorite. Allahumma inni aftatihu thana'a bihamdi. Right? Oh Allah, I open your thana'a with your hamdi. If you look at the transitions there, just awful. They make me cringe. The dua ones are, are particularly bad. The, awful. Yeah, the ones for duas are bad really bad. Some, sometimes it's just the guy just couldn't understand and just wrote whatever he wanted. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's like, yeah. it's just, just wrote whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So I, I open your thana, aftatil thana, I open the constant visions of your beauty through what? With your hamd. What is hamd? Concentrating on your actions. Mm. So when I concentrate on your actions, I get visions of constant visions of your beauty. You see how it changes wow. completely from, from the standard transitions that are out yeah. there, right? Yeah. So, so, so that's an example, mm. and then there's, there's a, many of them throughout throughout the Quran, which is which is quite uh, quite interesting. Okay, so I mean, to be honest with you, that that for me has elevated the concept of Alhamdulillah uh, in, in when I say it, because it's not a praise of a something static. It's not praise of a sunset, which is just like, oh, there's a sunset. It's it's praise of a moment that Allah has destined. And it almost makes it a lot more personal now as well, right? Because it's yeah. it's between, like, I am the one who's seeing this thing happen. Um, I like that a lot. I'm going to, I want to probe you for more examples because cause this is, maybe I'm trying to get the, the whole course out of you in, in, in the podcast. But <laughs> because, I mean, obviously, because like, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, we say that so many times, right? We say Alhamdulillah so many times throughout the day. Um, and, and you also gave me the example of Ihdin al-Sirat al-Mustaqim. So I want to I wanna probe you just one, one more example because I'm, I'm sure the listeners are, are going to be enjoying I'll have to give you, I have to give you a few more examples. Let me start with a more simple sure. one first, right? So for example, the term moment. Mm. What does it mean? Believer. Believer. Well, if anybody just looks into the basic linguistics of it, it, um, it has nothing to do with that, right? Uh, well, it can be a part of the meaning at, at the most, okay? One of the names of God is Al-Mu'minu al Muhaminu. One of the names of God. Have you heard the nine nine names of God? Just go YouTube it and yeah. You know, al Mu'min is one of his names. Is God a believer? Like, what is he believing in? You know? mm, interesting. Mu'min comes from the root Amina. Amina means security. Okay. The Prophet, one of his names was Amin. 
the person who's trustworthy. Why? Because when you give somebody who's trustworthy something, you have a sense of security that he's going to give it back or take look after it. Mm-hmm. Right? A mu'min is a literal meaning of it. It's the grantor of security. That's what one of the names of God is. And the reason a mu'min has been named a mu'min because he grants other people security. People are secure from this person's tongue in his hands. It's a very well-designed term to choose for a meaning. Now, why in the world are we ruining these things with random translations, half of which are just taken from the Bible because we don't know what else to do, right? So you can say it also means believer, but it's a believer that has this concept embedded in it, person who's a grantor of security, correct? It's a very beautiful term. Why ruin it? Or the name Allah, for example. There are actually seven, eight possibilities of what the name Allah actually means. right? But 99% of our people, if you ask them what does Allah mean, they have no clue. It's actually a very beautiful name. If at least let me give you one of the options. Al-ilah, al means the ilah, one of the possibilities is al-ladiyatahayyarubihil-aqil or the ones that one that a, a, a rational mind is bewildered by. Right? Why bewildered? You get bewildered for a number of reasons. One, sometimes because it's mystery, and you also get bewildered when there's too much beauty. Mm. Right? When there's like when you're like, wow, oh, you're a little confused. I won't go into the details of that, but but if we take this meaning on, if we take this meaning on, then it's one of the meanings would be is one of the most beautiful things I know. I mean, that's very different from saying God, for example. So it's mm-hmm. Somebody very intelligent has designed the concepts precisely, mm. and then we just ruin them with these one-word translations. And then what the bigger problem is, we argue with each other over these one-word translations, which are far from <laughs> from anything real. And then we get some crazy people out there as well who don't understand what they're reading, and they go and take it to be some you know uh, some violent act that stems out of things that they don't understand. Mm. And, and, you know, actually to look into this and see, can you objectively go and commit violent acts based on the precise meanings with this methodology? You cannot. Yeah. Right. It's, it often stems, it stems from people who either have political agendas or it stems from people who don't have the slightest clue what they're doing. And this also includes these uh, Arab brothers and sisters who, who, who speak Arabic of today, which is irrelevant to the Quranic language. There's a yeah. I mean, now now I feel like uh, now that I've got you, I I should potentially uh, utilize this moment for a translation of the Quran that I've always been kind of uh, interested by. Um, do Do you have a Quran with you, or do you have access to to a Quran verse? I'm so sorry to do this. I'm putting you on the spot now. <laughs> I have Quran.com. Okay. So uh chapter four, surah um verse number one one nine. So Shaitan says, I will mislead them, I will entice them, I will command them to mark the heirs of livestock, and I will command them to distort the creation of God. So that's the general translation. Now most of that is fairly straightforward except for the part of command them to mark the heirs of livestock. And, and I've always been particularly intrigued by that. Now, obviously, that might require looking into a bit of tafsir and stuff. 
uh, but I want to see if there's anything um, uh, if there's anything particular in there that you think that has, has a more wider meaning. Well, this is a more of a tough city issue than a, than a linguistic issue. So this is what I have to look into. Okay. It will take me 10 minutes if you have 10 minutes, but I prefer to... No, no, that's fine. Time. So the linguistic issue is, is straightforward here. So what you have to see is you have to go back and, and figure out what that actual uh, that phrase is actually a reference to in that time. And it shouldn't be too hard. Five, so, so, my, so, so, so the reason why I mentioned that is because that, that struck out to me as a verse... Um, I know it sounds bizarre, but like some of my favorite verses in the Quran are actually uh, the dialogue by Shaitan. <laughs> like when when Shaitan says something, that, that for me is quite interesting because it, you know, he very explicitly, uh, you know, details his plan to kind of deceive uh, and mislead mankind, uh, which is obviously a good uh, clue for us to kind of look out for. So my my own. Well, well, so go ahead. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Well, well. In this particular case, for example, firstly, Shaitan is extremely intelligent, whatever he is. Slitting the the, the ears of cattle is, a, is something that they used to do for, for for sacrifice to idols, if I'm not mistaken. So it has something to do with that, but but to look into it more precisely with, with the... So, so that was my initial understanding of it, because uh, otherwise it didn't really make sense. Um, and then the kind of distorting the, the human creation thing really kind of... Uh, it made me think about basically where human beings are, especially in like this postmodern world where there are obviously discussions around certain things which seem very unnatural. I'll just leave it there. That's a different tangent that we probably don't want to get into. No, no, that's, not a good, that's actually a very good place to, to continue this because, because you see, this actually shows there's a number of layers of meaning to extract. One and the most primary layer is the linguistic layer. If you don't have the linguistic layer solved, Going into the next Tafsidi issues to, to, to be kind of uh, more apt in determining those is a very difficult job. Mm. So what we're talking about is a primary layer of knowing what the words on an individual basis mean. Okay, You add to that grammatical meaning, things that come out from grammar. right? Mm. Then there's a science of rhetoric, and then there's a... There are, there, there are terms and terminology that is used or, or cultural practices in this particular case, which is, which is present. So there's a number of layers of meaning that you're able to extract, right? We're talking just the basics, and that's where we're, we're lacking, right? Once you have the basics, you have the basic tools then to dig into further meanings and connecting sentences. So one of the uh, verses, or I, I hate using the term verses, it's just wrong. But one of the ayat, I'm still so habituated to what I do myself. You know, but one of the ayat then kind of references another ayah, and then there's a matter of connecting these two together and connecting numerous uh, ayat together thematically. That's a whole different level of a process, right? So there's a number of layers. Uh, and this was actually one of the criticisms that was thrown against me while developing this. So like people are like, well, you're going you're gonna to make people think that they can go and be, uh, you know, they're able to derive everything themselves and they cannot by learning the linguistic meaning but you can build the first connection and you're supposed to build the mm. first connection mm. yourself without a middle because when you put a middleman in, 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 in place there's a number of issues that arise from it one is a political issue where you give people too much power unnecessarily right in certain cultures that's extremely dangerous and we see it mm. 
a person has this much more information than the others leads them to some some great things, right? So that's one of the problems we face politically. Yeah, the other problem that we face is there it remains stagnant. So these people who are supposed to be the the holders of, of this information or knowledge, they are no longer seeking to upgrade themselves to, to find solutions to serious problems in society. And they're limited to just as hey, this means this, this means that. Or or if you're or something which I, I, I get very irritated by is istikhara. You know, let's just sit down and get some dude to do istikhara for you. I mean, it's just, that's, that's become the system of, of the to-do list of, of people who should be concerned with a lot more important mm. tasks. Mm. Mm. Yeah. This is actually um, something that I've, I've, I've experienced myself as well. Like I've always been a bit kind of uh outside the box of my thinking uh i guess that's like a you know comes from my kind of my creative kind of uh inner self and i've always been someone who's wanted to kind of question certain norms uh in society in religion because my biggest concern is is I mean, one of my biggest things that I don't like being is, is a sheep, right? Like, I don't want to be a sheep. And I understand that there are definitely times in life where being a follower is, and, a, and even a blind follower, is definitely useful. But not when it comes to my relationship with Allah, because He is ultimately the only thing that I have in life which is real and uh, meaningful <laughs> when it comes down to it. So if my relationship with Allah is going to be dictated to me by someone, and they're going to tell me to do this and not do that, I, I struggle to I struggle to understand that, um, and I always question, uh, you know, whether, whether it's sheikhs and stuff like that to to see. Look, I want to have my own relationship with the Quran, and they're like, "No, you got to read the Quran in Arabic. That's the best form to read it." And I'm like, "But I understand that. I understand that visually, even the way that letters are formed, it has an effect. I understand that. I understand that rhythmically, the 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 sound that comes out in Arabic." has a profound uh, experience, uh, you know, and an and effect on us from an energy perspective. I d definitely understand that. But for me, when I see that there's verses in the Quran where Allah said, I've made this a clear proof for you, or I've made this a clear guide for you. And then conversely, at the same time, we're being told, wait, it's too complicated for you to understand by yourself. That for me seems like a contradiction. Because I'm not sure, uh, yeah, I'm yet to perhaps to come, uh, come across a verse in the Quran where Allah says, this is a very complicated book and you need to refer to a scholar to help you understand it. As far as I've, any verse <laughs> I've read. He says it's like four times in one surah. Hey man, this is be made easy. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not just easy. Yes. It's Babib. Yeah. Um, and you, ju you just touched upon the Issachara thing and, 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 and uh, like about eight episodes ago, uh, I was speaking with a sheikh and I was telling him this, this, this thing that I have with the Quran, um, when it comes to moments of not hopelessness, but you know, those kind of moments in life when you're really looking for a solution or looking for an answer from Allah. And so what I what I do is I'll open up my Quran app and I know it's not traditional, it's not like your book itself, and, and I'll I'll try to land on a verse, right? Without looking on it, for example, like I'll I'll flick through the Quran the, the chapters and then flick through the verses. And this is a personal experience. There has been moments, and, and honestly, this worked probably like 9.5 times out of 10, where the very thing that I'm asking Allah to kind of provide guidance on 
it's almost like explicitly about that situation and 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 it's, it's like given goosebumps like we, me and my wife have even had this, this uh, at times where we're both trying to make a decision together and it's literally like uh been so it's like scary almost you know it's like it's really 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 kind of freaky sometimes and that's my my understanding of it but then i've been told by people that no you know you need to go to a scholar for it because a scholar's more learned and i'm like but in the process of reaching out to a scholar that energy that i'm trying to make a connection with to this book and to allah it's is being filtered do you get what i mean like that that scholar that i'm calling he might have just woken up he might be in a bad mood and now when he opens the quran that energy is kind of like you know it's in the equation now that's not necessarily what i wanted you know he might just be like oh okay i've just got to try and get this guy off my back uh so, so yeah, it you know what you're, what you're saying definitely resonates with me. But I wanted to, I guess, get your kind of um, uh, understanding of, of of some of the stuff that I've said as well. Yeah, well, you, you'll get me in trouble with with a lot of these shakes if I. If it's I'm okay; they don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I don't I'm, look at the best istikhara is to take you out of doubt. That's all it's there for. So it's there for, and, and the, the backing that we have for it is not that strong. Let's, let's give it a number. Okay. Let's say, and, it, and this is an exaggerate, according to my opinion, according to my research, when I say opinion, I don't mean like, but my personal opinion has no wealth, has no, uh, it has no substance, it's meaningless. But I mean, according to the research that I've done on this, and I've done relatively extensive research on this, Let's give it a number. Let's let's say the validity of this entire process is 70%. Yeah? That's a level that we know that this has some form of validity. Okay. So we give it a validity of 70. That's fine. So you have something that's roughly 70, 75% valid. Okay. Based on what we have as textual evidence. And then based on the 75, 70, 75% validity, we go and try to make decisions on extremely important things. Mm. How is that sensible? Mm. Right. So, you see, I, I agree with doing these kind of things, istikhara in of itself. Or, but one, it has a process. I mean, you have to have thought it out. You have to have consulted and so forth. And you're in hiyota in confusion. And if you're in that state, I would limit it for unimportant decisions. Not unimportant, because mm. if it's really unimportant, you're not going to be thinking about it too much. But I would mm. not do this for extremely important decisions. You would not take an extremely, a, a method that has, that we feel is roughly 70% valid, right? 70, 75% valid. And I have a reason why I'm using that number, by the way. I just don't want to take your time and explain that. That level of validity and then take an extremely important life-changing decision, like marriage, for example. It makes no sense to me that if, if you are 50-50 about a person, don't marry them. Mm. I mean, it's, why in the world would you want to live some, with somebody the rest of your life if you're 50-50 on them? Like, what sensible person does, oh, let me just throw my life away, 50 for let's toss a coin. You know, if I'm 50-50... If anybody's 50-50 about a marriage, they shouldn't marry that person. Mm. Okay, So the sensible thing to do is to do your research. You do your research, you get to know the person. And, and if you've gotten to know that person and you're 70, 80% you know, reasonably 
you know, sure about what you're doing, you know, 80%, 90% or whatever, including your feelings and your, you know, your attraction and, and your, you know, what you know about this person, you have that level. And then you're going to do a sakat to throw all of that away. And well, based on what? You see, so, so there are these types of criticisms towards this. As for what you do yourself, you can do that for yourself. Uh, and, and feel that connection on a personal level. That's fine. Just just know that this is not uh, a valid method of making decisions canonically, mm. mm. right? But if that makes you build a connection, go go for it. For I'm me, sure. I never use it for decision making. It's it's never for decision making. Um, it's it's more like uh, okay. counseling. Let's say it's more like uh, assurances. You know, um, so it's it's it's, it's definitely a personal Let's thing. But I think I think one of the the kind of issues that this whole kind of phenomena uh, stems from, and 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 people do this for marriage all the time, by the way. Like as in, I've seen, I've seen people that are like literally perfect, you know, the perfect match. The families are perfectly happy together. Like, and it's you know, it's like, yeah, let's do this, and and they last minute decided to do istikharas and like cancel the whole thing. It's actually happened. Like you know, first time experience. I've seen people do this, and I'm like, like. What? Like how? Like I don't. It just doesn't make sense. I've seen people do istikharas about going to certain universities, or like, oh, should I pursue a master's? And I'm like, I, bro, just you know, like, isn't? Uh, but I think I think what it stems from is that I guess the way religion has been taught to a lot of us is for us to be essentially followers and we don't want to do any work we don't want to do any of the thinking so we've kind of like outsourced our religion and this is a particular issue that happens especially like what i feel anyway my personal opinion which means nothing uh like when it comes to like the the kind of issue of like taqlid or following a scholar uh which to be fair is, is both you know amongst the shia and sunni schools of thought it's like we've outsourced all of our like thinking and like processing of religious and spiritual affairs to someone else um and where you know it just i guess it provides like a sense of uh, assurance and security knowing that someone else is is going to be responsible potentially on the day of judgment but like i'm not sure that cuts the mustard <laughs> so the, the couple of things i'd like to say there firstly let's just go back to the linguistics happily does not mean to follow somebody okay comes from the word pelada pelada means necklace okay so that literally means hey this is on your neck buddy because you're claiming to be an expert so Putting that into perspective, we're not expected to follow anybody. Mm. Right? Taber is a follower, right? Even the term Shia it does not mean follower. This is incorrect, and this is commonly used. And it's extremely irritating, right? Uh, it has a very precise and uh, interesting meaning behind. But taklid means, hey, pelada, which is a necklace. So you say, you know what? This responsibility is on your neck, mm. right? So that of itself shows you the Kind of the, the mindset of what it was about once upon a time. Mm. Number two, the second point is that there has to be some middle ground between reveling completely and being blind. Mm. Right? Uh, and that's the middle ground we have to find. To be blind followers is obviously it leads us to uh, no progression. It leads us to, in fact, many arguments and a lot of the conflicts that are within our communities is because of this blind falling, because we don't have to think. The second problem we have is this rebellious nature, because we're sick of this, and then we go to that end, and that's also quite dangerous, because uh, an expert will have a 80% validity ratio, whereas a non-expert will have a 
if they're lucky, fifty percent. Even five. <laughs> I'm saying if they just toss a coin on each issue, if there's only one, mm-hmm. two variables, and they're tossing a coin, and that's fifty percent. But other than that, it becomes much lower. Mm-hmm. But there is a middle ground yeah. in those two, and and that's middle ground is what we should be kind of striving for, and things which are which have what we call touchpiece or or uh, you know verifying or identifying subject matters of application of a ruling. They can do the ruling, but there needs to be people from the societies that are that they're facing the problems to see how these rulings are actually applied. Mm. And that is where that middle ground can be found mm. um, uh, to, to kind of balance this equation, which is also the model of our organization, by the way. So in terms of coming back to the Quran and, and, and the Quran being a book of guidance, right? There's there's some Muslims that that insist that the Quran by itself is enough of a guide for them. Um, I believe there's actually, I'm going to forget his name. I think it was a German dude. He translated the Quran or something to this effect. And then he just became a... He didn't. I don't think he even called himself a Muslim, but he became some like a Quranist or something like this. I don't. I don't know how he uh, explained the rationale, but basically, he he only took from the Quran, and his his kind of exposure to Islam as a religion was just only in the Quran, and he that's that's what he ended up doing. Now I know that there are like small small segments of of Muslims, and historically we've had them as well. How do you perceive this like kind of idea of of the Quran being sufficient by itself and if ultimately if, if Allah is saying that this book is, is a book of guidance for you can it be? Not saying that it will it is exclusively but can it be? So so this actual issue and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up this, this is the actual crux of the issue right? This is what has led to this middleman attitude a misunderstanding of this in my opinion in, in such that uh, we have this understanding that from one group of people that say the Quran is sufficient, but then the Quran itself tells you in numerous places to refer to the Prophet, for example. Right? Uh, so therefore, there needs to be a guidance or a methodology taught. So, so there are two ways that we can look at the fact that you have to refer to experts as in the Prophet of the Ahlul Right? There are two approaches we can take. We can say that this book in of itself is incomprehensible by you and I. Therefore, every time you want to understand anything in it, you have to refer to the experts, mm. being them. Then you go to the riwayat that relate to tafsir of the Quran, for example, and there's almost nothing. Mm. So what are you left with? Nothing. <laughs> that small part of riwayat that do the tafsir and so forth, right? And most of them don't have validity in terms of uh, the sources they stem from. And chain of narrators and so forth. Okay, that's that one approach. Or let me give you another option. The other option could be that you're supposed to learn the methodology from these people. And once you learn the methodology, you apply that methodology. Mm. That methodology has a set of rules and regulations. Right? And then once you're given that methodology, and we have been given that methodology, right? then you're able to go and understand this thing that's written for you, for example. Mm. Apparently it's written for you, but then you can't understand it. That seems like a very pointless act from somebody who's supposed to be wise. 
right? So taking the second approach that, hey, there's a certain rule, set of rules and regulations on how to deal with this. You take that and, and, and then apply that yourself, right? Those rules and regulations have a basis. There's a certain number of tools you require. One of them is a, is a linguistic mm. One of them, yeah, it's the beginning. So there's a whole bunch that follow suit from this. So I don't believe that, that you know, when we say that it's enough for guidance, it's enough and it tells you it's you have to refer to this and that. So well, even if you do consider it enough as in of itself as a package, itself is telling you to giving you a reference point. So you got to go to the reference point that, that, that it's referring you to. Right? And then when you refer to that reference point, you refer to it in the manner that uh, of, of methodology of how I can then comprehend this. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that methodology has levels. At a simple level for a common person, somebody who wants to bother and spend some more time in it, on it, the next level, and so forth. Right? So it has various levels of, of which you can kind of enter into. And my take is that that first level, everybody should be there. Mm. Mm. Everybody should be there. That, that first level is for everybody. Right? The next level, if you want to go into that and you want to be expert, that's fine. Break a leg. But, but, but that first phase, it baffles me that after 1,400 years, we're, we're not there. And then there are people sitting around telling us things that sometimes are quite absurd. Mm. Right? And then we have large people, groups of people following this person, that person, on things which should, if you know the basics, should be obviously uh, incorrect mm. to you. Mm. Mm. I like that a lot. I think um, what could be quite a good exercise, and maybe we can actually discuss this offline as well, is a collection of some of the more common words, and especially the more words words that people recite in their daily kind of vernacular as Muslims, whether it's MashaAllah, whether it's SubhanAllah. I'm guessing there's going to be a lot of depth to that as well. Um, in fact, MashaAllah, I only recently understood it's meaning and, and you're probably going to laugh at the meaning that uh, that, that is out there um but like uh because I, I was recently doing like a calligraphy project so alhamdulillah okay fine i get that praise praise to god subhanallah okay glory be to god and i'm sure you've got things to say about that uh mashallah um uh was a very interesting one because basically there's not one proper clear definition for it because it's not it's not as succinct as as you can say praise be to god it, it was more like uh he has willed it. Uh, that that's, that was the that was the translation that I've uh, found the, the easiest translation of, of explaining that. Uh, but anyway, so I think I think it would be cool for us to perhaps work together um, through the Muslim vibe and, and the Rising Sun project to maybe start defining some of these or, or providing the the deeper linguistics to uh, some of these more common uh, terms that people use because I think that can be a very transformative effect on us as as Ummah. Sure, it's on the app, brother. I've heard about the app. Yes, yeah, so it's gonna, on the yeah, app. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. So basically, the app is a summary of the discussions. Mm -hmm. So I've kind of recorded and turned it into a game. Basically, yeah, because people get bored. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. So this. It's like games and like little uh, mini games you play, and and kind of it asks you, it questions you on the meaning. So the meanings are. Uh, I'm uh, one of my friends who was working on it with me, good brother. He's like, look, man, you got to limit the, the discussions to 30 seconds on the app. You're not allowed more than 30 seconds. So 
I remember it took me so much time to kind of, it was already summarized. And I was like, okay, I got to do this in 30 seconds now. <laughs> and it took me forever to write that out in 30 seconds. So like 30, maybe 40 seconds. Sometimes I, I cheated. And I, I think I was 30 seconds and it was like 40 something. I was kind of counting. <laughs> but generally it's 30 seconds. And and um, that's how it's summarized in the app. So that that's a good and, and a lot of the most commonly used words you'll see in the first chapter. I haven't even written the summarized version of the second and third book because I just I'm so busy nowadays. But but I have to one day sit down and do that or get some of the other teachers that are there to to to, to help me do that. But but yeah, that that's already been done. I can I can actually pass on that content. Um, yeah, that that would be really, really, really useful. Um, not only for my own personal understanding and stuff, but it's like especially because now, obviously, I have a I have a little girl. She's she's turned four, mashallah, and she's uh, she, she she's very inquisitive about religious matters. Uh, and we, as parents, try our best to explain and help understand certain things. Um, and and right now, obviously, going too deep into to language. Would maybe could potentially be overwhelming, but I think she might be able to handle it. And being able to help her understand, Alhamdulillah, with that level of depth, for example, I th- honestly I think if more people yeah. understood that, just that one thing on itself, like the word hand, uh, I think that's that that's you know that's like very transformative, uh, and, and it can help human beings elevate. Yeah. So so basically, I have a challenge usually. If it doesn't work in three lessons, don't come back. That's like the in the class. Now I can't offer that challenge in the in the app because it's an app. There's no communication, right? But it's it's overly simplified. So it's actually designed in a way that somebody who doesn't know anything just has to learn how to read letters and connect. Things. That's it. But that kind of person, within sixty sessions, you should not need translation. I have seventy-five year old woman in my class. Mm. They can do it. Anybody can do it. Right? Um, it's, it's, it's actually quite simple. It's not that we, we remove all the grammar. And in fact, I, I actually, what I started doing back then, I, I wrote the grammar into story form. I made them into silly stories. So, so for example, there's some of them are actually online. So there's like, there's this Lee and La, for example. They're cousins and they grow, and you have these two characters, you know talking to each other and they're growing up together. And in that story, you learn grammar. So the entire like story of grammar comes like this, that, you know, there's this uh, God, you know, created letters and he descended them down onto the earth. And then they got to know each other and then they started marrying each other and they formed three different tribes and nations called nouns or is, fail or verbs and, and half. And then they have a war with each other. Uh, and, and through that entire story, you learn the basics of Arabic grammar. I actually animated four or five of these stories, but then I never got around to finishing it, unfortunately. But the whole idea behind this was to simplify uh, the entire process so, so you don't have to go through the tedious grammar to begin with, because we don't learn language through grammar. Mm. When did, you know, I don't know any English grammar. My English is very good. If, but if you go and ask me past perfect tense definite, I have not the slightest clue, mm. right? We first listen. Then once we listen, constantly listen, constantly, we say a few words, baba, mama, whatever we say. And we gradually pick up a vocabulary. And once we do that, then we start reading. 
And then once we start reading and we become slightly advanced and we're like, I don't know how old at school they teach grammar nowadays, right? Maybe 13, 12, 13, we start learning grammar then. So it's the last stage. Your grammar is the process of trying to understand what you already know. Mm. That's the idea. You know how language kind of works, right? And then you say, oh, this is that rule that I'm actually using. And then, then you can become more precise with that grammar. What do we do now? We start with grammar as if it's going to help us. You do need grammar as such. You need like indirectly taught grammar. And we do that too. But to come up with a list of rules, it's not how our mind is wired. So we've removed all of that. Uh, mm. And we try to make it fun. In the actual live sessions when I when we used to have them once upon a time, there were actually games and fun and games and challenges and prizes. So we try to make it as fun as possible. That's very difficult to do online. But then online, mm. there's no limitations with the quantity of people that can attend. Whereas in, in the live session, the max I could handle was 200. And then after that, I'd go nuts. You know, just too many, too many people kind of asking me. But on the live class, we've had up to five, six hundred people, and then, um, but but it's not as interactive naturally. But it's easy. I, I, yeah. I can guarantee you that if somebody puts a small amount of time, constantly, it's it's very doable. There's really no excuse for this. In our community. So we're gonna we're gonna leave a link for the the Quran Hero app in the description of this. Um, when are you gonna be running your next course? I don't teach anymore. So there's, uh -huh. there's a whole bunch of other talented teachers. Uh, I, I've kind of, uh, I've, I've done this 80 something times now. So I, I'm that bored teacher who's like, you know, like, okay, let's, let's move on. You know, <laughs> you need, you need the, 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 the teachers with that. I mean, there are some and, and, and in the, uh, we will, uh, hmm let you know on our we advertise it when we do running course i don't exactly know what day right now yeah i'll have to ask the team yeah i'm just on the website it just says coming soon for, for for some of the courses but yeah yeah um brother ali it's been absolutely uh, a pleasure speaking with you uh, my mind has opened up a lot more to the the potential depth of the quran more than than i've currently understood it to be through the the translations uh, so inshallah, my idea is I'm probably going to start trying to use the app um, and then probably on the next course, I'll probably try and see if I can join that as well. Uh, but also, like I said, if we could uh, perhaps, you know, utilize our platform at the Muslim Vibe to, you know, document some of these things. Because obviously like with, with when it comes to learning, there's different there's different ways, right? You know how they say there's, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Um so for some people, they might need like an interactive video. For some people, they might need an app. Uh, but for some people, just, you know, the simple text um, and simplified language uh, could be most effective. And also for some people, you know, using, you know, just simplified form of design, which is my, my kind of forte, um, that could also be quite helpful to kind of help them understand certain things. So, um, yeah, like offline, if we can have a discussion about how we can kind of share some of that, you know, research and stuff that you've done, any any sort of like documentation and stuff, and then you know we can we can utilize the the talents here at the Muslim Vibe to to try and get that out because yeah, this stuff can have a really big impact on the Ummah. I think. Inshallah, it will be a pleasure to help in any way we can. Thank you so much, uh, brother. It's been a pleasure speaking mm -hmm. with you. Do you have any last words for anyone who wants to 
develop a connection with the Quran. I'm still a work in progress. I'm, I'm just, just give it a go. That's all I can say. Same thing I say to myself. Man, I really enjoyed that conversation. And, and this is why like, I need you guys to help me with this podcast and give me a better idea of like, okay, look, do you want things like this? Or do you want me to speak to like, you know, influencers and the cultural things? Or are we okay with this mix of things? Um, I feel like I know I'm, I'm a bit torn because I, I like these deep, insightful conversations, but I also do like the kind of more lighthearted conversations, looking at the various works of people in the community doing awesome things. But I almost feel like, I mean, it depends on what you guys tell me, right? But like, I almost feel like the the idea of having a podcast, which is more of a journey looking into matters of faith and spirituality and, and more of a sequence kind of thing, right? So like, for example, in this episode, we talked about the Quran. Now, for example, if I was to be really meticulous about this, then the next podcast could be something that kind of continues from this one. And so maybe we can go on a journey together. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Maybe you guys like the mixed approach. Maybe, maybe you know, you, you'll say to me, hey, actually, I really like this idea of having like a season, for example, where it's 10 episodes and we, uh, you know, go into one specific topic and, and, and take a really deep dive. You tell me, you tell me, please get me, get in touch with me. I'm going to leave my email uh, in the description below. Um, and yeah, let's see. Let's see where we can take this podcast. I'm, 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 I'm really excited for this. I, I kind of fell out of love with it for a bit. And then a podcast like this came about and I was like, you know what, this is, for me, it's like a learning experience, right? And I'm sure, inshallah, for you guys, it is too. So that's what I want to, I want to kind of make sure that we're on the same wavelength, right? Where, uh, especially if you guys are listening to the end of the podcast, that means we're, we're, we're really tight, we're, we're good friends. Anyways, let me know. And inshallah, you'll join me on the next episode of the podcast. Till then, barakallah fiqh.